And so today's the last, the last message of this series. We're kind of wrapping up our, our summer series. And uh, I think it's, it's just perfect the way Paul ends his letter in chapter 6. And today we're talking about we are fighters. And how God intends for us to be fighters. God sees us as fighters. God just doesn't see us as weak little sheep that can't do anything. He actually sees us as warriors, as soldiers, ready to fight the right battle. Too many times we fight the wrong battle and we get sucked in and we get pulled into this fight that we were never intended to have. So we're talking about we're fighters. And my goal for you today is that we would recognize that God made us to fight and that we have a real enemy, but that we also have incredible weapons to use in this fight that he's given to us. So that's my intentions for today, just to let you know, in case you were wondering. But before we jump in, I quickly want to show you what Paul says in the, in, in the beginning of this chapter. I don't want to skip over the first, the first two paragraphs. It, briefly, Paul talks about how children and parents need to get along. And then he talks about how slaves and masters need to get along. And there's a verse in that first portion that talks about children and parents where it says, Fathers, don't provoke your kids to wrath. <laughs> Good luck with that one. I'm guilty of that. I've provoked my son to wrath. I pushed him to the point one day where he looked at me and he just blew his top. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. I went too far. And the Bible's clear. It says, don't provoke them, but instead lead them and guide them. And then it talks about slaves and masters. And this is the thing that we got to understand is that God loves the son just as much as he loves the parent. God loves the slave just as much as he loves the master. Right? We're all equal in God's sight. Earthly titles mean nothing to God. Are you getting this? God loves us all the same and he wants us to treat each other with love and respect and with honor. And it's what he's after. So that takes care of kind of the first half of chapter 6. You can study that in further detail. But what we really want to pull out of this chapter is the armor of God. And you may have heard many messages on the armor of God. And I hope that today... Instead of hearing my message on the armor of God, I hope we hear from heaven for each one of us what God wants us to do with this armor. Amen? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. I want to read this to verse 17. It says this, a final word, which is very important. Paul's letter, in fact, he, he comes to the point, he, he, he starts his, this last portion, he says, and, and by the way, are a final word, which means... He's trying to get your attention when he's saying what he's getting ready to say. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Evil. <laughs> then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on, the, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
Paul lays out in, in extreme detail what it is that we're supposed to be doing or what, how, how we're supposed to be dressed as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting this? He's telling us what we need to look like. Now, now I had a vision this morning of, of how Paul came up with this message. I'm like, Paul, how did you get the armor of God? Well, you got to first back up and realize where Paul was when he was writing this letter. Paul was in a Roman prison. He was basically in a cave with bars on it. No air conditioning. No colored TV. Paul's sitting in a cave with guards standing next to him 24-7. And what Paul basically describes right here is, is probably what he was, he'd been staring at for months and maybe even years. He'd been staring at Roman soldiers. And while looking at the Roman soldier and, and noticing how he's dressed and everything that he has on, I, I wonder if God didn't download a message into Paul and say, Paul, you see what that guy looks like? That's what I want my kids to look like in the spirit. And I bet you Paul had to, he had to write. He had to just start writing. He had to put this on paper because he just couldn't contain it here. He had to say, okay, I got to start writing this. And so Paul, in detail, gives us a description of what God wants us to look like as followers of Christ. You seeing this? So it's pretty cool. I, I thought, wow, that, that's incredible. Paul was, I mean, 24-7, he had guards around him, dressed fully in full armor. thought that was cool. So Paul brings a final word. It, it, there's importance in all this. And I believe that Ephesians... From chapter 1 to chapter 6 is building up everything to this point. I believe when, when God talks about we're chosen, that's to give us confidence that he chose us. That's to help us realize that we're on his team and we belong to his family. That he made a decision to choose us. We didn't make a decision to choose him. And then, and then, and so the enemy would come and say, oh, well, you, you, you made a mistake. It was an accident that you got on God's team. No, God chose you. Even before you were a twinkle in your mama's eye. God chose you and he decided to choose you. And then the Bible says that he gave you life, which means that he basically brought you from spiritual death and blindness into spiritual life. Something inside of you became alive and he gave you life. And then he put us together as one. And he said, we need to be united. The reason there's more than one Christian on the planet is because God want us, wants us to, to be together and to help one another because we're going to spend eternity together forever in heaven. Come on, somebody. You just soon start to like the people of God's family because you're going to have to get used to it sooner or later. Right? And listen, there's some folk in the church I just don't like. I'm joking. But, but Paul's building a case in, his, in, in, in the book of Ephesians, and he's building it to this point where we have to realize that, that God's already done everything for us. He's already prepared everything for us. He's already given us everything that we need to have victory and to live a successful life. And he's building that, and he gets to this point of the fight. 
So I believe this is the portion of the letter that Paul's writing to all the different churches where he says, okay, guys, I've given you all the theological things. I've tried to give you confidence. I've tried to build your faith. I've tried to ground you into the foundation that God has accepted you. God loves you. God wants you. God is for you. He's not against you, that you're on his team. He's, he's done everything to convince us of that. And now what he's saying is that now the rubber's going to meet the road. Because it's great to know who I belong to. It's great to know what God's done for me. It's great to know all those things and to have confidence in those things. But Monday still comes. And Tuesday still comes. And accidents still happen. And things continue to break down. Right? And we still face walls and we still have difficulties. And what do we do? We fight. We fight. So thank God that... That Paul knows how to lay a letter out by the inspiration of God so that he can build the case all the way to this point and then give us this thing about armor and teaches how to apply it in this life. So number one, put on all of God's armor. God doesn't want you to go into battle half-dressed. When I used to play football, we would the, the, the two days before the game, we would go... Uh, half dress. You basically wear some shoulder pads and a helmet. And there was no tackling, no, no hitting each other because you might blow a knee out or something like that. So it was half dress day. But that was only one day of the week. The rest of the days, we were full dress, going at each other hard and, and, and never backing down and hitting each other as hard as we could. And, and Paul says this in his letter. He says, put on all of God's armor. There's a reason he put all there. It's probably because we're in the habit of being half dressed. Right? You can't go into battle half-dressed and expect to have victory. They're going to get you somewheres. He's given us the whole armor because he wants us to be completely successful. All of God's armor defeats all of the enemy's strategies. That's what Paul's saying. That when you put the whole armor on, you defeat all of his strategies. How many of you know he's got many strategies? He comes at you from many different directions, right? I mean, he knows, he knows what you're biting on, right? He knows what to throw in front of you. And he knows just how to pull it just right to get you to bite. He's got a lot of strategies. But Paul says in God's word that if we'll put on all of God's armor, we'll be fully successful. Number two, we're fighting a spiritual battle. This is what we got to get because too many times we want to fight a flesh battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's not flesh and blood. God never intended for us to go after other human beings. Never intended for us to to get into this flesh and blood battle. He intends for us to do our battling in the spiritual world. Now, don't don't think I'm about to get all kooky and weird on you. I really want to clean this up for you and help you to understand that, that the spiritual world is a real thing. It's not what you see in the movies. But the reality is is that there's an unseen world that we can't see with our natural eyes where there's a battle going on left and right every day for your soul and for the souls of the people that God wants you to touch. You remember back in the Old Testament where Daniel had been praying for days and then finally Michael comes in. He goes, man, dude, I intended to get here a whole lot sooner, but man, I've been fighting. Right? Right? There's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's not a flesh and blood battle. The problem we have, though, is that it shows up in the flesh, doesn't it? 
It shows up in the flesh. You get yourself a teenager that's running astray and trying to do all kind of crazy things, and it's showing up in the flesh. And what do you want to do? You want to take the flesh out. Come on, somebody. I brought you into this world. I'll bring you out. But that's not where your battle is. Our battle's not in the flesh and blood. It's in the spiritual world. It's in the unseen world. You better recognize that there's an unseen world at play in your life. And heaven is doing its job. It's battling for you. But you have a part to play in the battle. You have responsibility in the battle. You got to jump in and you got to participate in the battle. Touch your neighbor and say, you need to participate. Let me tell you what the enemy would love to do. He'd love to get you fighting a flesh and blood battle when the real battle is done in the spiritual world. There's nothing he wants more than to get you focused on the flesh. Go back to that teenager that's running astray. What, what do you get consumed with? You get consumed with everything they're doing or not doing, right? And you, and you take your eyes from where they're supposed to be and you put your eyes on them and you get consumed with that and then it starts manifesting in your flesh, right? And you start getting all balled up and, and fashed and whatever you, you want to say, you, just, you get all these emotions going and before you know it, you lose control, right? And the enemy's going, ha, 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 I got that sucker. I got him looking at the wrong fight. I got him. He's not even fighting the right fight. So what I want to do this morning is help us realize where the battle is. And we don't need to be Barney Fife. We don't need to be Barney Fife Christians and we got one bullet in our pocket. And if we're not careful, we'll shoot our foot off. We need to know where the battle is and go to that place and start battling. The reason you've been facing what you've been facing and you've been going through the struggles that you've been going through time and time and time again. And it seems like a vicious cycle and you can't ever get off of it is because you're not fighting in the right place. God's word guarantees victory. He guarantees victory. But you can't get it if you're at the wrong field. Right? Now, I know some people that realize that the battle's in the spiritual realm and they, they get a little weird sometimes. Let's talk about that for a minute. People that they, they, they try to put off this image that they're spiritual and they got it all together and they're battling right where they're supposed to be. But what it really looks like sometimes is they're just swinging at the air. And they're praying in tongues and they're doing all the crazy things that they think they're supposed to do, but they're not getting anywhere because they're not, they're still not at the right place. Still not fighting the right battle. God wants us to be wise and he wants us to be aware of what we're up against. It's in the spiritual realm. It's in the spiritual realm. And just as it manifests in the natural for the bad, it will also manifest in the natural for the good. You know you're getting victory when your teenager turns around and humbles himself. Come on. There's nothing more miraculous than a humble teenager. Okay. Just thought I'd give you that point. So number three, 
Paul says this, put on every piece of God's armor. So first he says, put on all of God's armor. Then he says it again. He says, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy. So without every piece, you're not able to resist the enemy. Think about that. If you're not fully armored, and there's a lot to the armor. We're going to get in that in, in just a minute. If you're not fully armored, you're leaving yourself vulnerable in some place. Right? You go to war without your breastplate. There's a good chance you're going to get hit in the chest or in the back. Right? He says to put on every piece. It's our responsibility to put on God's armor, not his responsibility to put it on us. He's given us the armor to wear. He's told us what it looks like. He's told us how to use it. And it's our responsibility to put it on. So we can't sit here and take the fiery darts of the devil and let all these things come at us and then get mad at God. We should never have a reason to be mad at God. Because he gives us responsibilities that we have to take care of. Amen. It's my responsibility to put on the armor that he's given me. You getting this so far? You know, what's funny is when we put on God's armor, he gives us the ability to resist the enemy. The Bible says that when the enemy comes at you, if you'll resist him, what does it say? He will flee. Right? But if you don't even realize who's hitting you, you don't even realize where these things are coming from. If you don't realize and know that there's a real enemy trying to, to do some real damage in your life, if you don't realize that you're taking stuff that's coming at you, and we call it what? Oh, that's just life. Yeah, life just threw this at me. No, life didn't throw it at you. Life can't throw nothing. The devil threw that at you. Your enemy threw that at you. And you're not ready for it. But if you will get ready for it and you resist him, the Bible says that he'll flee and you'll get some victory. Amen? So how do we stand our ground? Number one, let's talk about the armor, the belt of truth. Paul says that he says you need to put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth, this helps you to stand up straight. Now, the belt of truth is not God's word. The belt of truth is being honest. The belt of truth is honesty. It's not lying. You can't defeat the father of lies with dishonesty. What what Paul is saying is that you need to put this belt on of truth, that I'm going to always tell the truth. I'm going to always speak the truth. I'm going to stand on the truth. I'm going to stand behind the truth. And even if it costs me everything, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to be honest because my honesty comes against the father of lies, the enemy, the devil. It's the belt of truth that you're just real. You're just truthful. If you've fallen, you take responsibility. I blew it. I blew it. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to my kids and say, you know what? Look, time out. I blew it. I go to my baby. I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. I went to a boss one time. I was working for this company and they overpaid me. Now, some of us would go, hey, the Lord bless me. 
<laughs> I just had something on the inside of me said, oh, no, this ain't right. So I went to him and I said, hey, I said, hey, boss, man, I said, look, uh, <clears throat> you may never get this, but, you know, you may have never had anybody say this to you before, but but you overpaid me. And he looked at me, and goes. Boy, if I ever overpay you, don't you say nothing. Just say something if I underpay you. So he gave me all rights to be blessed after that. I was like, if I ever get overpaid again, I ain't saying nothing. I was like, I'm take it. But I was honest with him. And you know what happened? Because I was truthful with him, my level of respect in his eyes went sky high. Because I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to tell the truth, but I chose to. I was honest. And my honesty defeated the father of lies. Right? You can't defeat the father of lies with dishonesty. The Bible tells us to be honest. And by the way, this is called integrity. It's called integrity. It's who you are when nobody else is watching. What are you doing when nobody else is around? What are you doing when you're at home all alone and you're in the office all alone? That's called integrity. That's important. Integrity is important. What are you looking at? What are you watching? Are you being truthful with yourself and with your spouse? And with the people around you. Number two, so we're putting on the belt. We got this belt of truth, right? We're going to be honest. Then we got the body armor of God's righteousness. Now, this covered the body armor in the Roman days covered the front, the side, and the back. And there's a, there's a reason it covers the back. Because <laughs> there's nothing like a low down devil going to try to get you in the back. Right, he doesn't even have enough integrity like the old westerns did, where they wouldn't shoot a man in the back. I mean, he's just dirty. He's gonna shoot you in the back. He's gonna hit you on the side any way that he can. But the body armor covers the whole body, the whole chest cavity, all the way around. And so it says to put on the armor of God's righteousness. Now, now this isn't the righteousness that we get when we give our lives to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's not that righteousness. It's not the righteousness that when I give my life to Jesus, I now come into this right standing with God. It's not that. It's the kind of righteousness that shows up in the flesh in words, deeds, expressions, and how we live. That kind of righteousness. So the Bible says to put on this body armor of righteousness. What does that mean? That means I need to have integrity, but I also need to do good deeds. I need to be righteous. I need to make right choices. I need to help folks. I need to love people. I need to quit being mean. I need to quit being so mean. I need to quit being so bossy. I'm just letting it soak in. That's all. I'm just, I'm not mad at you. I'm just, you need to put a smile on your face. Come on, somebody. Right? Because the previous messages said that you have life inside of you now. Life has a smile on it. Come on, somebody. The greatest way to influence people is with a smile. It's the simplest way. Just smile. You see somebody grumpy, smile them into a different place. I mean, you make the right face, they're going to start laughing or smiling sooner or later, I promise you. But it's called the, the God's body armor of God's righteousness. And we need to cover ourselves in it. And it's, it's what people see. It's how we act. Right? Watch what Matthew five sixteen says. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out 
for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. God intends for us to be good to other people. That's why he gave us the verse that says it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. They don't come when you beat them across the head with a club. They come to Jesus out of the goodness of God. And they realize that, you know what? He he is good. He is great. He loves me. And I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of an organization or a family where they beat each other up. And by the way, the church has been that for too long. We're harder on each other than we are on ourselves. That was for somebody. But this is where the good deeds come into play because God wants your life to shine. He wants your life to point to him. He wants your good deeds to be seen by the dead world around you. And when they see your good deeds, it's a light that shines to heaven. It says, hey, I am good only because of God. Anybody that knows me in my past knows that anything good in me comes from God. Right? Had this little saying. You may want to write this down. It's kind of harsh, though. It says, if you can't live what you preach, then either shut up or start living. Shut up. Because the world's sick and tired. And I believe heaven's sick and tired of seeing people that call themselves followers of Christ out there preaching one thing that their life is living another thing. You're telling everybody else they need to clean up and get right and you ain't even right yourself. Right? It's time to either shut up or live up. One or the other. We got to do something. But we need to preach a message. God's given us a message to preach. But we don't just preach it with our mouth. We preach it with our lives. You preach it with your deeds, your actions, your expressions, the way you answer people, your attitude. Uh Uh-oh. Your attitude preaches. Let me tell you, so you Cajun, you feisty. Cajuns have an extra dose of attitude. You don't make a Cajun woman mad. Come on, man. You should have said amen. You don't make a Cajun woman mad. She'll tear you up. Full of attitude. But your attitude preaches. You know, and sometimes God lets us go through things. Because he wants the world around us to see what kind of attitude we're going to have as we go through it. I know for a fact God's letting me walk through some difficult times in my life. When I've prayed my guts out, I know I had mustard seed faith to change that situation and that circumstance. I know I did. And I prayed my guts out for God to change that. And he didn't. You know why he didn't? Because it was too big of a crowd watching my life. And they needed to see the power of God in my life get me through that. If it wouldn't be for God, I wouldn't be standing here today. When my mama died, I thought my life was over with. I thought as a kid, if if something ever happens to my mama, I'm done. I'd just soon kill myself. She raised me single-handed. And I'll never forget, he, he carried me through that whole thing. He gave me faith through the whole thing. And he touched me through the whole thing. And my, my life was preaching through the whole thing. And the way I handled myself, I wasn't fake. I was real. When it was time to cry, I cried. I wasn't religious. I wasn't legalistic. I was just real. And God walked me through that thing. And I believe that people around me saw the power of God working in my life. You're on display. 
You're always on display. Start living up to your preaching. So we got the belt of truth. We got the the body armor of righteousness. Then he gets into the shoes. You see, God likes shoes, ladies. He does. You can can be at peace. God likes shoes. Maybe not that many, but he likes shoes. It says this, Paul says, the shoes of the good news. Say that with me. I like the way that sounds. Shoes of good news. No, you didn't say that right. You half asleep. Shoes of good news. Say that again. Come on, he give us, he's given us some shoes of good news. Now, these, these were sandals back in their day, but thank God we got the whole wrap of the feet now. And we got more support for our ankles, all us big fellas. And, and, and so he's given us these shoes, these spiritual shoes. And, and back in the Roman days, they were spikes. They were basically like cleats that we would, we would play sports with today. But they, were, they had these spikes on them, and they were made to, to set them in the ground and to get them firm so that you can stand when somebody's coming against you. Okay, God gave us the spiritual shoes of good news so that when the enemy comes and the forces of evil come against us, we don't slip and lose ground. Right. We don't slip and lose ground. We don't go backwards. We keep going forward. So what we do, we, we, the, the good news is what we stand on. We stand on the good news. What's the good news? The good news is that God loved us enough that he sent his only son to down a cross for us. That he came to be the solution for our sin problem. And because Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross and rose from the grave, I can now be forgiven of my sin, put back into a relationship with God, have this life inside of me, and have victory when this is all over with. I'm going to heaven. Amen? Man, that's the good news. It's not complicated. What does the world need today? We don't need a new president. We need the good news. What is that low down boss you have? What does he need? He needs good news. What does the world need? It needs good news. We stand on the good news. My confidence comes from the fact of what Jesus did on the cross. That's where my confidence comes. That's what makes me put my feet in the ground. And no matter what the world throws at me, I say, I'm not moving. I'm not moving because I believe that what Jesus did was done for me. It's over with. It's finished. It's complete. And when I leave this planet, I know where I'm going. My feet are stuck on that. And the reason I need to know the good news is so that I can remind myself sometimes when I'm brushing my teeth and I don't feel like Jesus loves me. I'm I'm the good news and he loves me. You ever have to remind yourself sometimes? I just happen to do it when I brush my teeth. I don't know. That was stupid. <laughs> you can say that was stupid, Basley. That's all right. You come preach. I see what you say. <laughs> but our job is, it's, so the good news is this. The good news is what we stand on, but the good news is also what we preach. You hearing me? We don't go and try to clean people up. We don't go tell them about all their sins. We don't go try and beat them down anymore because they got a devil that's constantly reminding them of what they're doing wrong. We're life. The life of God's been put inside of us. We're, we're responsible for going and bringing that life to dead people and get them to be, get them to go from spiritual death into spiritual life. Paul said it best in Romans. He said, we are in second Corinthians. We've, we've been given this, this, We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. 
Our job is to, it's almost like this that God's telling us, your job is to stand on this box and preach to a dying world and your message is come back to God. Are you seeing this? Some people need to hear, you can come back to God. And some people need to hear, you can come back to God. Are you hearing me? That's the message that we've been given. That's what we're called to preach. Our job is to bring people to God. That's why we're here for only 80 years on the average. I want to get done. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of this job. I want to go to a better place. Let's invade. Let's let's populate heaven. And so God will say, okay, that's enough. And he'll call us home. No humidity. No bills. No taxes. The fish are always biting in heaven. And you don't have to go to work. Hallelujah. Preaching good. So who do we preach to? We preach to a lost and dying world. This good news. The good news keeps our feet planted on the ground. And the good news also moves our feet to go and preach. These shoes that he's given us, they're one, in one moment, they're meant to, to hold ground. In the next moment, they're meant to catch traction and bring the gospel forward. You see, God's got an army of believers. And he's invading this earth. Because he wants to populate heaven. And deplete hell. And the church will wake up and realize that I got a good pair of shoes that's going to keep me where I'm supposed to be, but also move me to where God wants me to be. Then we're going to see that happen. Amen. We're going to see it happen. So we've got the shoes of good news. I just like the way that sounds. Shoes of good news. I'm going to write a song about that. (laughs) Number four. We've been given the shield of faith. Now, what was pretty cool about the Roman shield is that back in, in, in these times when Paul was writing this letter, the shield was two and a half foot wide, approximately this. Some of you say you caught a fish this weekend that big. You lied. It's about two and a half feet wide, and it's about four feet tall. Captain America's shield looks like a sissy shield compared to the Roman shield. I mean, what are you going to do behind a little dinner plate? God's given you a big shield, right? A shield that you can hide behind. A shield that you can protect yourself with. What is that shield called? It's called the shield of faith. God expects us to have big faith. Your faith in God and what he can do and what his word says and when the promises that he's made for you is what protects you from the fiery darts of the enemy. It's what you stand behind. It's what you cover yourself with. Men, it's what you cover your families with. You gather up all them kids and your wife and you put them behind. You say, come on, we got to need we got to get behind a little faith today. We got to get a little victory today. Come on, we're going to get behind the shield. Are you seeing this? The shield of faith. It was big. Faith shields your life. It protects us from the fiery darts of the enemy. God's shield of faith is unpenetrable when your faith is placed in God. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Think about that for a minute. If I don't have faith, if I don't put on my shield of faith, then I'm not pleasing God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Paul says to put on all of the armor of God. 
put on every piece of the armor. Are you seeing this? A believer has to have faith. You have to have something to stand behind. Amen. Number five, the helmet of salvation. The helmet was pretty cool. I would have needed a big helmet. I played college football. I had the biggest head on the team. For real. I did. I was proud of that. That was my only victory. It was a big head. So, so the Roman helmet was used to protect the head, but it was also used to make them look taller and more intimidating. So you get, for all you short people, <laughs> let me give you a little hope this morning. There's a helmet that God's given you, and I guarantee you he's made yours a little bit taller, right? Because he wants you to seem taller and more intimidating to the enemy. That's just a little something for you short folks. <clears throat> but he's given us the helmet to protect our head. It's called the helmet of salvation. Do you know as a believer, you need to be able to explain to anybody at any time how you're saved? Do you realize that? That you need to have the message of salvation and the process or whatever it is that happens in salvation. You need to have that ready to share with anybody, anytime. Because you never know who you're going to run into that is ready to hear the salvation message. And by the way, the salvation message has nothing to do with the way you're living in the current situation because the enemy will catch you on a bad day. When you done slipped and fell, you done blew it, you done did something wrong. And then all of a sudden you're sitting here beat down and lo and behold, here comes somebody ready to hear the gospel, ready to hear salvation message. And you're sitting there all defeated. I can't tell them about being saved. I don't even know if I'm saved. I just lost my temper. I just said a cuss word. I just gave the next driver to me the peace sign. But then it just like the enemy to catch you in a moment and try to beat you down. Thank God for grace and forgiveness. huh? Thank God that he doesn't move by how we live. He moves according to his own plan. Despite us. I can't tell you how many times I've been in moments of frustration, moments of, of, of temptation, and God will use me. And if I didn't have my helmet on, being assured of my salvation, knowing without a doubt that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven, knowing without a doubt of, that what Jesus did on the cross and the fact that God raised him from the dead, that I am saved. I got to keep my helmet on. It's right here most times. It's right here in my mind. I got to know that I'm saved. And I got to be ready to explain it at any moment. The helmet of salvation. It makes me stand taller. You getting something so far? Number six, the sword of the spirit. This is actually the only offensive weapon we've been given. Everything else so far has been just to protect us. Right? Are you seeing this? If you think about it, if 90% of my armor is to protect me and 10% is to fight with, there's a lot of things coming at me. (laughs) Right? God must realize that there's a lot of things coming at me. 
insecurity, doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, mean people, temptation, pride, arrogance, quitting, giving up. All those things are coming at us. We got to protect ourselves. But the good news is is he's given us a weapon to fight back with. I'm kind of happy about that. I like, I like weapons. I like to be able to hit somebody back. I don't like to take all the licks. In fact, I don't even like the the verse that says if somebody hits you or slaps you, turn the other cheek. I I don't even, I don't even read that verse. I just, (laughs) I don't like it. I, I don't even know if, you know, Paul, my, uh, somebody might have had heartburn when they wrote that. I, I don't know. I just, you know, I, w- I want to fight back. I kind of like the fact that Peter had a sword in the, in the garden and he cut a dude's ear off and Jesus got to put it back on. I think that's pretty cool. Just, just saying. I mean, think about being there, right? Swing. I mean, Mike Tyson had nothing on Peter. Peter took the whole thing off. He didn't just bite a chunk out. He took the whole thing off. And Mike didn't have Jesus with him to put it back on. So Holyfield just got a jacked up ear. But the soldier got his ear put back on. (laughs) But I like the fact that God's given us an offensive weapon. It's called the sword of the spirit. Most people believe it represents the Bible only. That it's just this written word. That my sword of the spirit is just this word. That's true. It is this word. The actual written God-breathed word of God. That is your sword of the spirit. The Bible says this is a double-edged sword. Okay? It is this, but it's also his spoken word. Because you see, God didn't quit talking at the end of the book. God still talks today. The book don't tell you where to go to meet that person that needs somebody, that needs Jesus. But, but the spoken word of God says, hey, you need to go to Walmart. I don't need nothing from Walmart. I don't even like Walmart. Go to Walmart. For what? Just go and I'll show it to you. Go knock on your neighbor's door. For what? I don't even like my neighbor. That's why. (laughs) But the sword of the spirit is the written word and the spoken word of God. So why am I saying that? Because number one, you need to know the written word of God. You shouldn't be a lazy Christian and never read your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, you're lazy. Stepped on all y'all's toes. But it's the truth. We'll not read our Bibles and then get defeated by the enemy and turn around and look at God and go, what's up with that? And he's looking at us going, what's up with you? I already told you what you needed. In fact, I had you set up to read it today. The believers today need to be equipped with God's word. We need to know how to use the sword. Just because you got a sword don't mean you know how to use it. Jesus knew how to use the sword. He went to the desert for 40 days with the devil. And what did he defeat the devil with? The written word of God. Jesus cut that lying tongue out of him with God's written word. We have to know. Listen to me, we have to know. There's so many things coming at us today in this world. So many lies spoken. 
They call today good what the Bible calls evil. And they call evil what the Bible says is good. And if we're not reading this and we're watching Fox News, then we're going to get deceived. Before you know it, we'll be starting calling evil good. Oh, that's good. No, that's not good. That's evil. Right? He gave us his word. He breathed his spirit into human beings to write this for us. He put it in in fine organization. There's nothing dyslexic about the Bible. It's organized for you OCD people like me. It's got paragraphs and numbers and chapters and and it's good. And even if you get to the back, it kind of tells you we win. We win. Anybody needed to hear the words we win this week? We win. When you're looking at an election like we're looking at, you better have your head in here. It'll help you not to see some of that stuff. I'm just saying. That's my Bible about sweating. We have to be sharp with the word. Not to impress people. It's not to impress people. It's it's to defeat an enemy. It's to defeat the lies that come at us all the time. All the enemy can do is lie. It's to defeat the lies. To give us victory. It's it's an offensive weapon. And then you need to have faith that God speaks today. I don't know if any religious person ever told you that God doesn't speak to us, but if they did, they were lying. God speaks to his people. Today, he speaks to his people. If we'll sit still and listen, he will speak to us. And we need a fresh word from heaven. You're going to need one in the morning. What's your cup of coffee? Your cup of coffee ain't that good. The sword of the spirit. In the spiritual realm, the word of God, we use it to pray. We use it to claim it. We claim the word of God in the spirit. Now, back in the day, people used to walk around on the streets and beat people with this thing. Our weapons, I mean, our battle's not flesh and blood. I'm not called to go across and just bam and beat people. Up. Well, the word of God says this and the word of God says that. And the word, that's all you know is the word of God. The word of God says this. You ever run into people like that? I want to punch them. That's why I don't like that verse. This is to turn the other cheek. I want to punch him. I'm like, shut up. God didn't call us to beat people across the head with this. He called us to do our battling where? In the spiritual world. I take these things, I take these promises, and I hang on to those. And if my kids are acting crazy, I need to be in prayer. I need to be spending time with God. God, you said. You said, God, I'm claiming this verse over Virginia. I'm claiming this over Ethan. Sometimes it's I'm claiming this over my own life, Lord. There's been a whole lot of that lately. 
But we do our battling in the spiritual world. Don't be a freak. Don't be weird. Be who God's called you to be. If you're funny, be funny. If you're serious, be serious. And don't let nobody tell you you can't be serious all the time. You can be serious all the time. That's just hope for me. Because I'm not funny. Learn to use God's words the right way. It's a sword. That's why it's called the sword of the spirit. Now look at me. Sometimes I take this. and My kids are going through something. And I'll look at them and say, what does the Bible say about that? Mm-hmm. You know how it is? Mm-hmm. That crazy look on them. I don't know why we make them fail. Mm-hmm. I'll say, well, look, let's go over here. I'll never forget one of my kids one time first went to school. We homeschooled them for the first six years and they went to school and they had a little trouble. And one of them came to me and then they were crying. They said, Dad, I, said, I can't make friends, Dad. I just don't have any friends. I mean, my heart was broken, you know, because you want your kids to be cool, right? I mean, you want your kids to have lots of friends and be popular. I mean, that's just real, right? Just being real. I said, well, you know what? You know what the Bible says? No. The Bible says if you're friendly, you'll have friends. Really? It says that? Yeah. The Bible says that. We looked it up. If you'll be friendly, you'll have friends. You know what that did for my little kid? It gave him victory. It broke the lie. It destroyed the lie of the enemy because the enemy was speaking to my kid saying, nobody likes you. You're not popular. You don't belong here. Are you seeing this? I mean, maybe you've had that spoken over your life. Maybe you've heard the enemy say that about you. That's why it's important to be in God's word and to know how to use his sword. I, as a father, took the sword of God's written word and I destroyed a lie that the enemy was trying to speak over one of my kids at a young age. The flip side of that is if I don't do that and I don't speak the word to my kids and I don't address the lie with the truth, what happens? They start believing the lie. And they grow up believing, I can't have friends. I don't belong. I shouldn't be here. Nobody likes me. So what happens to their life? Start spiraling downhill. God's called me as a man, as the head of my household, to address the lies in my family. Because the enemy's after me, but he's going to get to me through my kids and my wife. Amen? It's the sword of the spirit. A great warrior knows his weapon well. And uses it with excellence. So we should know and use our weapon well. Right? We should know the word of God. And use it well. You know what I love about older men? Like the old school, the older generation of older men, they all had a shovel. You remember the shovel? Around here they call it a rice field shovel. Right? It's just a flat round shovel is all it is. And boy, they'd put a sharp edge on that shovel. They'd take that old file. And you'd be out there ready to work with Papa, And Papa would come over there with his shovel. And he'd he get a file in his hand. You're ready to go to work. Papa wants to sharpen the shovel. And he's sharpening. He's like, come on, Papa. No, we've got to sharpen the shovel. 
he used that shovel so much that he was familiar with it. He knew how to use it well. And it was a great tool in his hand. So should it be with us with God's word. We should know it well. If you think you know it well, you're walking in pride and you don't know it that well. Because there's more to it than you think you know already. Keep digging in. Keep getting used to it. Make a grip on it. Wear the sucker out. Have to go buy you a new one. When's the last time you had to buy a new one? When's the last time the pages fell out? Come on. Wear it out. Right? I want to show you this last portion, then I'm going to wrap it up. You give me about 30 more minutes? Just clowning. Y'all know I don't go that long. Verse 18, watch this. So you got it. You, you, got, you got the armor, right? Watch this. Verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Paul sums up the whole armor of God with this one thing, prayer. So look at me. You can put the whole armor on and you can be fully dressed for battle. And not pray. And not pray. Prayer should be the first thing we do. Not the last thing we do. You, you know how it goes. Well, we've done everything we can. All we can do is pray. I used to say that all the time. If I got sick of hearing myself, I'm like, why did I say that? You ever wonder why you say something? It's because you keep hearing it over and over again. Paul says to pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. Prayer should be the first thing we do. Not the last thing we do. You shouldn't let the enemy get you into a corner and then try to pray your way out of it. You should have prayed and punched him in the nose when he started to run at you. Right? Prayer is what goes before us. Lord, show me this this week. You know you're praying when your prayers go from reactive to proactive. Get you some of that. You know you're really praying when your prayers go from reactive to proactive. That's when you go to getting out in front the whole situation. Right? My wife said it best the other day. She, we were talking about this. She said, I'm already praying for my kids' spouses. That's proactive. I'm not going to wait till Billy Bad comes to my house and wants to date my daughter to start praying. Number one, he ain't going to make it in the yard. Because Billy Bad ain't met her dad. We're going to be proactive. Are you seeing this? I'm not going to wait till the enemy comes. You see, sometimes I think we just get it a little twisted. And sometimes I think we get it a little wrong. But honestly, the thing I love about the Bible is that God lays it out for us. And it's simple and it's clear and it's not complicated. You're in a battle. There's a war going on for your life. You got to recognize that. You got to realize where the battle is. You got to know what God's given you to fight with. And you got to remember that everything that he's given you to fight with will give you victory. You're supposed to win. 
You were meant to win.